Well, when I was in my 20s, I had a job that was pretty flexible. And one of the advantages of that is I got to go to this little prayer time that my church held on Tuesday morning. And honestly, it was mostly older people, um, but I loved being around them. And one of my favorite things about going to this Tuesday prayer meeting was that we would pray for a while, and I was definitely challenged to pray in ways that I had never prayed before, which was good for me. Um, and then two of the couples who were in their 60s and 70s um, always went out to lunch. And we always went out to lunch at the same place every week, which was down the street at the local Taco Bell. And so every week with these older folks, I had my seven layer burrito and um, we would just visit. Like nothing, I don't even remember a single conversation that we had. It was nothing remarkable. But what I do remember is how I felt coming out of those times of fellowship and eating seven layer burritos, which was I felt loved and I felt included and I felt like it was really healthy and good for me to get to hear from some people who loved Jesus and were much further along the journey. And so today we're going to be talking about this same thing, Taco Bell discipleship, right? Or what does it mean um, for us to invest in people that are younger than us in faith, that, are, that we are farther along the journey than they are? And so we're in a sermon series right now called Focus. We're talking about what are the most important things here at Harbor Cove. And we're specifically in our series on what we call three, two, one. And three, two, one is just the simple way that we sort of lay a framework for, for answering the question of what does it mean to invest in people? Because here at Harbor Cove, we value people and we value relationships. And we think that people and investing in relationships are the most important thing. So today I'm gonna to be talking about the middle one, twos. Um, and this is not really about investing in somebody so that you can unlock the mysteries of the Trinity or investing in them so you can answer all of their questions perfectly. And it's not about making somebody a project. It's really about investing in somebody and encouraging them and supporting them. And so today we're going to be in the book of Acts um, as our framework for investing in somebody in discipleship. And as you know, Acts is the second part of a two-part series. The first part is the book of Luke, the second part being Acts. And Acts, I like to think of it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit, that it's the Acts of the early church, that it's the Acts of Jesus, but it's really the Acts of how the Holy Spirit is working throughout the body of Christ. And you will see throughout the book of Acts, if you go through it, that it is just peppered full of stories of one-on-one -on -one and small group discipleship of people investing in people and, and those people bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. So today when we're in the book of Acts, we're going to be in Acts 15. And just to set a little context of what's going on here is that the church in, in Antioch is in the middle of resolving a really significant conflict that is centered around race and culture and religious expression. And I won't get into it. You can go back to Acts 15 if you want to read the context of that. But they end up working it out thankfully, um, and they are moving forward. And at this point in Acts 15, we have two of the main leaders, Paul and Barnabas. And they've decided that with the conflict resolved and a plan in place, that they are going to go on their second missionary journey, and they're going to go out to some of the churches that they've already planted, um, that have already begun, and they're going to strengthen those churches, that they're going to encourage them, that they're going to build them up, that they're going to teach that they're gonna just live life with them for a while and help them on their journey. 
And they just they kind of come to this place where they realize that they want to bring people along to, to mentor them in this process of living on mission. So join me now. I'm going to read from the text. We're going to be in Acts chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 36. We're going to end in 41. So here we go. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark with them. But Paul did not think that it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of, of the Lord. And they went through Syria and Cilia, strengthening the churches. All right, so that's our story today. And you see that there is um, not just a little disagreement here, that there's actually a sharp disagreement. So it's not really a surprise to us if we learn a little bit about Barnabas um, and his relationship with, with John or Mark or John Mark, different, different ways of saying it, that um, Barnabas would be rooting for John Mark in this situation. So first of all, we find out from Colossians 4 that they were relatives, that they were cousins. Um, and we also know that Barnabas is just the kind of person who is an encourager. Um, he's probably more likely to extend grace to somebody who made a mistake just by nature of his personality. And we know from our experience with the Apostle Paul that Paul's just wired a little differently than that, that he is, um, he's all in, that he's a person of truth, um, and that he's probably a little bit more maybe black and white in the way that he goes about life. And so they come to a place of disagreement, um, and there's a lot of lessons, I think, that we can learn from how this plays out. So I think one of the lessons that we can learn is that as we look back at the history of John Mark, that they had taken him on a missionary journey before, and he had deserted them. And so I think one of the big things that we can think about is sometimes we invest in people, and they always make mistakes, right? They're human, that that's something that we can expect, that we make mistakes, that other people make mistakes, that that's just part of what it means to be in, in real relationship with folks. I think the other thing that we can learn from this story is that when it comes to mentoring relationships, to discipling somebody, to investing in somebody, however you want to look at it, that chemistry matters. That some people see potential in other people, and other people are called to see potential in other people. And that's okay. That chemistry matters. That not everybody is meant to mentor every single person. That we have to have a process of figuring out what's working for us. And I think the other thing that really stood out to me with this disagreement in particular was that faithful and mature Christians sometimes do have significant disagreements. And what I loved about this was that the mission didn't stop just because they had a disagreement. That even though they couldn't work it out in that moment, that they parted ways and the mission continued. And in fact, the mission doubled, that they were able to both recruit somebody to, to be discipled by them, to go out with them, and even more churches were strengthened and even more of the ministry continued. And just a little side note, you might be wondering, well, what became of John Mark, right? Barnabas took him. Was he really trustworthy? Did he really make the cut? Um, well, it's pretty incredible to realize that actually Barnabas, there were some, some good things that he saw in John Mark because we know from hi the history of the church that actually in 2 Timothy, um, 
that Paul says that he was very useful to my ministry. So there was some redemption and reconciliation that happened there. And church history tells us that John Mark became the first bishop of Alexandria. And perhaps even more commonly known and more notably for us is that he was the writer of the Gospel of Mark. So we see that he messed up and yet Barnabas saw something in him and invested in him and incredible fruit that we benefit from today came out of John Mark's life. Well, as we think about these Christians in the book of Acts and the ways that they brought somebody along in mission, that they mentored them, that they lived life together, that they prayed together, that they did all the things together, it might be a little bit intimidating. Like, I think it's a little intimidating to think about what these super Christians are like. And the question is always, but I'm not like that. I'm not a super Christian. I'm just an ordinary person. Maybe I'm a retiree or I have kids in work or whatever it might be. So the question, the first question that I want to pose us is discipleship and mentoring and investing in somebody, is that just for super Christians? Because I don't really feel like I can relate to people like Paul and Barnabas. And I think the answer is yes and no, that clearly Paul and Barnabas played a really special role in history, right? They were building the church in really exciting big ways. But the other part of that is you don't have to be a super Christian, that we see throughout the New Testament that the invitation is for all people to invest in other people, that throughout the many books that that is one of the things that is commended over and over again, is that we are called, no matter what station we are in life, to invest in other people and encourage them in their relationship with the Lord. Well, I want to dive a little bit today on the term disciple, because what does that really mean? It's a word that we throw around a lot. Well, simply said, a disciple is a learner, okay? A disciple is someone who is learning how to follow Jesus. And we see that in the original language um, of the scriptures, but also in Latin. So a disciple is somebody who is trusting Jesus and governing their life. A disciple is somebody who makes mistakes, but then the grace of God helps them to move forward. God chooses us to be learners in his kingdom and to partner with the Holy Spirit to invest in other people in the process. So a few days ago, I came across this quote that was on my Instagram feed, and a little bit of a backstory for it. This is somebody that I actually knew. Um, this is a woman who I went to a class with a lot of years ago, and she's just an incredible person of faith. And I actually got to know her daughter a little bit, and her daughter is a pastor and a writer. And she had um, received this quote from her mom just shortly before she passed away, um, fairly recently. and. As I read through this quote, I thought, yes, this is one of the things that I want the congregation to just think about because it really resonated with me. So it's specifically about the context of discipling our kids, but I think as I read it, you'll see that it's a much broader application. And so the woman's name is Hallie Cowan. So here we go. Hallie says, I would say to parents who want to see their kids discipled, that we are tempted to be a priest for our kids, telling God what the kid meant and the kid what God meant. No, we should turn our kids over to God as soon as possible. Get out of the way. That way, when a kid, as a natural part of growing up, rejects their, their parents' values, that they won't reject God because God is theirs. And what I loved about this quote is that this is really the work of investing and discipling, that we aren't meant to carry a heavy burden of being a priest, of being a know-it-all, of having all the answers, um, of being that in-between, that we are meant to be just a person that points, 
that points people to Jesus and helps them to cultivate that relationship with God. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the ways that we can do that. So years ago, um, years ago, I had a friend who really wanted an older woman to pour into her, disciple her, mentor her. And so she asked around and she asked several different women. And over and over again, all of the women said to her, I can't do that. Like, I don't have it all together. I don't know how to answer your questions. And she left discouraged and disappointed. And what she said to me was, Angela, I was just looking for a friend. I was just looking for somebody who had more life experience and would pray with me and would go to coffee with me and just kind of help me to see the bigger picture of what God might be doing in my life. And so that leads us to these questions of, well, what does it mean for us to invest in somebody or how do we do that? And I think over and over again, we see that the answer is not so much about the method, but it's about the mission. All right, that as Jesus poured into his disciples, that he lived life with them. So I love this quote by Robert Coleman. He is no longer alive, um, but he's a classic when it comes to discipleship. So this is what he has to say in his classic book, Master Plan of Evangelism. He says, this is about Jesus. Having called his men, Jesus made it a practice to be with them. This was the essence of his training program just letting his disciples follow him. Amazing, as it may seem, all Jesus did to teach these men his way and to draw them close to himself. He was his own school and curriculum. All right, so I love this because I think this is is what it means to invest in somebody. It means to be with them. means to point them to Jesus. And... As Jesus was inviting people to come to him and to learn from him, he drew from daily examples, and that's something that we can learn from as well. He ate with people. um, They traveled together. They engaged in mission together. um, They just lived daily life today. And so that leads me to my third question, which is, well, what kind of person do I need to be if I want to mentor somebody? How should I go about this? And I want to just briefly lay out just three characteristics that I, that I think of um, that are really important if you want to invest in somebody else. So the first one is faithful, okay? Faithful. And faithful is just simply put two things. One, it's somebody who, tr- who puts their trust in the resurrected Jesus, okay? Number one, faithful being filled with faith in the resurrected Jesus. Number two, it's somebody that can be relied on. It's somebody that's dependable. And the second thing that came to my mind was the word available. Okay, so number one was faithful. Number two is available. And I think it's important that we realize that this sort of means two things, that if we're looking to pour into somebody to invest our life, that we need to be available in two ways. First of all, we need to be just available with our time, which seems obvious, right? Like we have to be able to actually hang out with them and spend time with them. But I think the other way that we need to be available is we need to be open to vulnerability, that they are gonna ask us hard questions, that we need to be willing to share struggles in our own life, that we need to be sharing how God is working on our own heart and modeling humility. And lastly, the, the last thing is teachability, that as we consider what it means to be a good mentor, to invest in people, that we ourselves need to be teachable, and we're also looking for other people that are teachable, that are open to Jesus and are willing to change. Well, I want to close today by just encouraging you with a story of a friend of mine. 
So um, several years ago when I was living in Seattle, I lived in this little apartment in the U District with my family. Um, and my daughter was just little at the time. And I went to a park one day and I met this amazing woman named Priska. And she lived in an apartment down the way and she had a little son. And Priska was from Uganda. Her husband was a graduate student at the U. Um, and she did not know hardly anybody. She was really far away from home and she was really socially isolated because she had a young child. And over time, we cultivated a relationship and she ended up um, moving into my apartment complex. And most of the time that I spent with her was just living life together. We would honestly spend most of our time just sitting at the little playground in our, in our neighborhood and just watching our kids play and visiting. And in those moments, I was able to support her and encourage her. Um, I was able to answer some of her questions about faith. And when she went through a really hard situation with her family, I was able to support her and pray for her and be there for her. And I love to think that I mentored her, but even in addition to that, she mentored me because she modeled for me what it was like to be brave and courageous, to be a person from a different culture and a new, new country um, where there were so many things that she didn't understand, but she was so brave and she was so courageous. So even in mentoring relationships, we always have things to learn. I'd like to leave you today with three questions. So the first question is, what part of making disciples do you find intimidating? Number two, where do you see God at work in someone younger than you in life experience or in faith? And number three, what step can you take this week to encourage or come alongside someone else? Hi, thanks for watching. The people of Harbor Covenant Church really want you to know the love that God has for you, want to grow with you in faith, and want to serve alongside you, not only to help others do the same, but also to make our families and our communities better. If that sounds like something that you can get on board with, then like, follow, and drop us a comment in the video. Watch some more videos on our channel or come visit us on Sunday. You can find out more about Harbor Covenant Church at harborcove.church.